Hello and welcome to the Goals and Glory podcast with me, your host Bruce Aitchison from Goals and Glory and I'm smiling like that wee boy that this book has made me feel like again from beastie to bestie to Belgium by the brilliant Colin Leslie. I had a great chat to Colin and I said to him, listen, we need to get some of these characters onto a podcast and find out what it was really like being there. And thanks to Colin, he's hooked me up with some of these stars that were absolutely my heroes as a wee lad on the terrace in Easter Road. And today I am joined by one of those legends, a guy I couldn't believe came to play for my club, a guy I'd watched probably achieve at that point the ultimate in football, to score that goal in front of a packed Wembley, blue sky and sunshine. It was just the dream. And there he was, standing in green and white, playing for my team. And I was delighted to welcome him. So let's waste no more time and hear from the man himself. Please welcome the one and the only Mr. Keith Houchin. Hello, sir. Hi there. Hi, Bruce. How are you? Described it perfectly, actually. Blue skies, packed Wembley. What a place. And, and you were never given a chance. I mean, it was all about Tottenham. It was a bit like the Wimbledon <laughs> Liverpool. It was a bit like the Wimbledon Liverpool final. It was yeah, just. Yeah. It, it was. It was how well Liverpool were going to do it. You weren't given a chance for that final. We, we played on that a lot, though, building up to it. But we 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 knew we would. It was going to take on a good side to beat us that day. We were really ready for it. Don't worry about that. It was good. It was okay being the underdogs coming into it. There was no pressure on us at all. Really, nobody expected anything from us. When I, when I said I was going to be doing this with you, a mate of mine who's a Coventry fan, Rich, uh, just sent me a message saying, please just tell him thank you. Yeah, I get that a lot, actually, yeah. But it was just what, like you say, you're talking, the way you're talking about it was exactly the same for me. I mean, 10-year-old watching, I think the first game I saw on TV was, um, was a Leeds United game. I remember watching Eddie Gray doing his dribbles and that in Wembley, and it was just, I was awestruck. And, you know, when you're like you're 10-year-old and you say, that's what I want to do. I want to beat Wembley in an FA Cup final. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Um, and it didn't look very likely for a long time in my career, I'll tell you. But when it happened, wow, it was just exactly how you imagined it to be. Like I say, it's always blue sky. It's always sunny. crowd was fantastic. And uh, I, think, I think I was very lucky. And we always say, all the ex-Coventry lads, we, we were very lucky. Uh, that we played in a bit of a classic, really. We played in an end-to-end cup final, which makes it all the more sweet, really. But there was so much about that because you'd you'd been scoring in the the run-up to it, so you must have arrived yeah. at the final thinking, "I'm I'm in here. I've got a chance here." Oh, I fancied myself. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I didn't play a lot of games that year. I kept getting injured early in the season. I had an injured foot, and I I got broken ribs very early on. We played against Arsenal. And I even nearly missed the cup final because the lad who played for us, a lad called Jake Finley, goalkeeper, <laughs> used to go fishing and bring stuff in and he brought the, this big fish in. And I said, well, I'll have that. I mean, well, I've, I've never been able to prove this over the years, Bruce, but I'm sure that blooming fish that Jake Finley brought in, not my bag. <laughs> so I, I missed all the build-up, believe it or not, because the team went up to Wembley two or three times to train, you know, on the pitch and be, have a look around the dress rooms and the whole, whole shebang. And I'd, I'd only ever seen Wembley as a, as a supporter, walking up Wembley Way and going in and standing behind the goals and things, you know. So that day, pulling up to the big green doors, it was like going into fairyland for me. The gates opened, we'd gone in. I've ne- and you, you, at Wembley, it's like, it was like a slope at the old Wembley. So you had your dressing rooms and things. And all you could see about 50 metres up the top was, was a square of blue sky and light. That was all you could see. Uh, so when, uh, you go up in your suit, obviously, you know, that you do the walk down in your suit, which is, which is amazing as well. It's all part of the Wembley experience. But then getting changed and everything, and then you stood in the line in the tunnel and looking up at this square of light, and then you kind of walk up. And then I, I remember glancing over to my left, and there's, um, there's Glenn Hoddle and uh, <laughs> Adilis and people like that. You know, and I'm thinking, flipping it, you're going to do this, you know, you're here, you're at Wembley. And then you break, but that little square of light becomes this cacophony of, honestly, I couldn't even describe it. You walk out and it lifts you off your feet, carries you across the pitch. Um, so, yeah, it was, like I say, it was just a magical experience. Everything that we expected it to be. 
and always we were always confident uh, until they scored after three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is it? Mike Tyson says you can have all the plans in the world until you get smacked oh, in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, any football club you're at, you know, the last thing the manager says is keep it tight for ten minutes, don't the doors. <laughs> Look, lads, we, we, you know we've we've got the strength, we've got the capability. Just don't let them get on top because they've got world class players. Um, and then we all kind of looked around. I remember me and Cyril Regis glancing at each other, kind of thinking, oh, oh, oh we're not going to get absolutely battered here, are we? Because you couldn't <laughs> have stopped that goal. It was an amazing goal that Clive Allen scored. It was so good. It was Waddle dropped a shoulder, whipped it in on his right foot, and Clive Allen went one way, two yards, and came back three yards. And it's in our net. Now, if they'd have done that all day, what, how do you stop it? What are you going to do? You know, we, we, we did kind of glance around and think, oh my God, what's going on here? It, but it was, we were straight back. We got straight back. It was such a... The FA Cup final used to be the, the big... Like, winning the league was obviously a big deal. But the FA Cup, that one... I think day, it was the biggest. I think it was the biggest thing. And, and it was it, the thing you dreamed of you, when you were yeah, playing and yeah. when you were playing in the park, you were scoring the winning goal in the FA Cup final. It, you weren't it, scoring it the, the winning biggest, goal in the league. Uh, yeah, and I've said over you know, thousands of times over the years, it was like it was like the Holy Grail. And you never got to play at Wembley, Bruce. That's the thing. Unless you played for your country, nobody got to play at Wembley. It was it was sacred ground. So that's why you see all these heartbroken people in semi-finals and, and that over the years, don't you? Where they in the old days, because <clears throat> they've got that close to playing at Wembley, that close to being in a cup final. Uh, and it really was, it was evident. I mean, European football was nothing like it is now. I mean, European football's obviously taken over, hasn't it? Uh, but if you were British, well, if you were anybody, to be honest with you, if you were anybody, the the, the showcase game and, the, and the, the, the big kind of ending to the season was the FA Cup final. It was just something that everybody wanted to do. And I always said, you know, before I said, look, I'll retire. The day I do it, if I do it, I'll retire. And if I get a winner's medal, I'll put it up in lights above my front door. So I go, I've been pulled on that a few times over the years because I played a lot longer afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you played, I mean, you played the FA Cup with the other clubs you were in. But it, well, yeah. even, at, even at Coventry, was that something you spoke about? Like, come on, lads, let's have a good cup run. The FA Cup run? No, not really. It's just, it, it just evolved. Just something that something that happened with us. I mean, I think, uh, I think we beat Bolton at home uh, probably the first time we played, and then we were we were away at Manchester United. So, you know, it was Manchester United at Old Trafford. So it was like, oh god, that's a tough one, isn't it? We never even thought of that. Coventry had had a little, had had about four or five seasons of of just staying out of the bottom three and just staying in. Uh, the old first division, which is now the Premier League, as you know. So I, I think the the, set, the start for the whole season was all about getting a bit of backbone into the team, bringing different players in. People like myself and Dave Phillips came in, um, who, who who could battle battle things out a bit more on that, you know. Um, and I think the cup run itself just evolved really. We went obviously we went to Man U and won. And played really well, actually. Should have, we, we won one nil, but probably should have won two or three. And um, and I think that was the day that John Sillett, who was a real larger-than-life character, real, you know, funny bloke. Um, I mean, that was what it was all about, getting the dressing room going, really. It was the best dressing room I've ever been in. Um, and he came out afterwards and says, that's it, our name's on the cup. So we had, it, it just went off from there. We had to live with that. We got asked that all the time. We were like, well, John's decided it is, so we'll, let's see, you know. And we just kept going. Each round came. We played brilliantly. Dug in. Got out of jail a few. I mean, we got out of jail at Stoke City where I didn't think we deserved to win that game, but was meant to be. Um, and then, like I say, got all the way to Wembley and played in the Classic, really. When when you scored that goal, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a. I, I think I've actually read that you said this that you you don't really think, and I you know I, I hate it when you hear pundits or commentators saying, "Oh, you can see what he was thinking there," because there's no thinking. You're you're responding. It's muscle memory. It's yeah. because you, yeah. you've done it so many times. But when yeah. that ball when that ball comes across, you were a you were a wholehearted uh, player. You, yeah. You've launched yourself at that ball. It's instinct. You're dead right. I mean, football is a game of instinct. I mean, we're, we're obsessed with tactics and all the rest of it. And you need, you know, tactics is all about being in the right positions at, at the right times. And you're always going to get out of position. But sometimes like that, I've said it, 
it's just it just comes together, doesn't it? There's no it, there's no rhyme or reason that ball to for Benno to have to have played the cross like he did, Dave Bennett, uh, for the timing of the run. Because you know you could have just if you'd have been there a split second earlier or a split second later, it, it's it, it just all comes together, doesn't it? It's like a perfect dance, isn't it? Um, and I and the only and I see it now, you know. I see players that lunge with the they go with their feet all the time, don't they? And you think, why didn't you dive? You'd have got that. You'd have scored then, dear me. Um, so yeah, it was just a, once I'd lost my marker and got into the space, I was just in the per- my 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 run and the ball coming in just all came together perfectly. But I had to dive to get there, obviously, um, and I got there in plenty of time. Really, it's, it's like you say, it's split seconds, but I was there. And I always say, imagine if I'd missed it. Imagine if I'd edited it wide or edited it against the post. or Because uh, I look at, I mean, it seems like somebody else now. It's been that long. It's a long, long time ago. Um, but when I look at the pictures, if you really look at it, I'm sure I'm smiling as I'm heading it. I'm convinced. <laughs> it, it was, it's a moment that everybody in my generation and probably two or three generations in front of me remember because everybody stopped to watch the FA Cup final. Yeah, exactly. Everybody watched. You watched all the build-up. Because yeah. at the time I was so young, I was watching the kids' TV in the morning, but I'm pretty sure players were being interviewed on kids' TV on a Saturday That's morning. That's what they used to do, yeah. Gra- grandstand started. There was the yeah. FA, Cup, FA Cup final songs. And then yeah. the, pl- the players walked out. You, you got to see them on their suits, on the foot. I mean, it was just yeah. the, the whole dream just unfolded, didn't it? Yeah, that, and that's exactly it, yeah. And it used to start about 10 o'clock in the morning. When I was a kid, I'd be up with my bottle of pop and my bag of revels or whatever it was in them days. And you'd just get settled and you'd, you'd be seeing the players all day, all day long in the hotel, getting on the bus, going to the ground. It was just a whole day thing. And that's it. That's exactly what it was like for us from literally getting... I mean, I was up. I don't know if you know this story, but I I, I, I never got nerves before big matches, but I wanted, to, I, I wanted it to be there. I wanted it to be happening. And... Um, I was in a room with a lad called Dave Phillips. We stayed in a beautiful hotel right by the Thames and the mist was... Co- I woke up about five o'clock and the mist was coming off the Thames and that, you know, and I was kind of fidgeting and I thought, I need to do something here. Um, so I got some kit on and just went for a jog up and down the side of the Thames and that, you know, around the hotel and stuff. Just, you know, just trying to imagine what the day was going to be. Was it going to be a disaster? Was, it, was something great going to happen? Was I going to score? Obviously, I wanted to score. Were we going to win the cup? Were we going to actually hold it up? You know, because he didn't do it like nowadays, where they pass the cup along. You just your captain held it up and down he went. But just sort of dreaming about that, really. Um, and lo and behold, what a day it turned into, didn't it? You know, it was just fantastic for us. It couldn't have gone any better, really, could it? I mean, at the time, you know, you just you're doing your job, you're playing, and you're working, and it's work. And scoring the goal was great, and I I knew it was a special day, and I knew we'd done really well, and I knew it was a pretty good goal. But it was only maybe a few weeks afterwards when I started to see the pictures, these incredible pictures that they took because they had cameras in behind the goals and behind me. And, and it, it started to, it started to it bring that goal up even higher. Do you know what I mean? It was like, oh, look at that. When you see it, it, it if you watch it in real time, it's like he's edited it and he's fell, but it, it looks like I'm flying through time, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm always going to be there hanging in the air, you know? <laughs> when, when you watch it back, is there a... Is there a disconnect now? You said that it, it, it happened a while ago. Is there is can can I, you relive it in any way? Yeah, I can still relive it in my mind the whole day because I was I, I was so obsessed with, with the, the cup final and the Wembley thing. I went a couple of times as a young player, you know, Bruce, when I was 17, 18 at Hartlepool, drove down, slept in the car at uh, on the M1 at South Mims. First time I went. I think it was Ipswich Arsenal was the first one I actually the live one that I first went into. And uh, just blew me away. Just couldn't believe it—the colour and the noise and the, the fans. You know the, it's, it was just the humour of the players. It was so funny the way they bounced off each other and that. Um, so yeah, I can relive it all in my mind because I was determined to. I always thought I'm going to remember coming up Wembley. I'm going to remember sitting on the bus. I'm going to remember coming into the ground, and I can. But doing this sort—I mean, it's been over thirty years, hasn't it? Thirty-five years, I think it is this year. Um, <laughs> And when you're talking about a particular goal and a particular time, you do begin to wonder, 
is it is it muscle memory? Is it because I've said it so many times? But I, I can vividly remember that day. Yeah, I'll never forget it. I, I couldn't possibly could I. And if you speak to the other lads, because we do see each other quite regular, um, they're all the same. They all realise it was a very special time in our lives. You know, there'd be so many boys in that squad that never never did it again and had never done it no, before. That was why it was so special though, Bruce. It was and I think we knew at the time when, when we got to Emily, it, it, it was almost like it, this could be a one off for us. This could be the one big, big game of your career. And not that there weren't lots of other big games, but you know, the, the big one where do you show up or do you disappear? You know, that sort of thing in your mind. As a as a pro and as an athlete, you're always thinking, Am I gonna deliver? Am I gonna let people down? And I think we, 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 that's what we're most proud of, I think, the fact that we delivered on the day and we didn't let anybody down and we, we played the way that we were capable of. And we didn't get Amadeit-nil after that, went 1-nil up after four minutes, you know. <laughs> when, when you're walking out and, you know, there's that sea of colour and there's, I think, yeah. 80,000 people there that day. Are I think you it was able... 100. I think it was 100,000 <laughs> that day. The are, old are, Wembley. You, are you able to pick out family you know were your were your family I, there i did yeah my family weren't were really mad about football they didn't go to i mean i played nearly 700 games football but they didn't come, they didn't come to very many uh, but i got them all there that day my mum and dad and different people a couple of my brothers and what have you and i found them when we were out on the suits i, I, I saw where they were stood i saw where they were sat sorry where the seats were um I knew where my wife was. She was the, the wives and that were obviously around near where where the cup gets raised and that sort of thing. But I scored in that end and that crazy because I've never done that before. I've never jumped up and down when I've scored a goal. So it just shows you how much it meant to me. Uh, I couldn't do that now. You'd need an ambulance <laughs> waiting and a stretcher. That's for sure. Dislocated hip. Um, so I've scored and I've hit the ground and I'm up and I'm running and I'm over. I'm over the barriers and I'm jumping and jumping, but. They weren't there, they were over more to my right. So I was jump. it was all Coventry, obviously. I was jumping with joy, really. Um, and the lads, if you ever watch it, the lads never jumped over the barriers. They were like, this is this was the, one of the hardest days they were ever going to have. They said, we weren't wasting any energy over that barrier. It was like, it was like, as the game won and they were coming over to me, you know, I was like, what a goal, come on, we can do this. But this, uh, I think Nick Pick and Mickey Jim were the closest behind me. And they had a decision to make. You can see the pictures when I get up and I'm running and, Nick, and, th- and they said to me, are we going to run after Houchy here? Because he's off on one. <laughs> Dave Bennett was just stood on the touchline with his arms in the air. So they thought, right, the easiest run is Benno. So they ran across to Dave Bennett. You know? <laughs> yeah. All, Wasting all, energy, all about, all about yeah. the assist. It was all about well, the yeah, assist. Yeah. Well, that's what you've got to remember, though. The amount of energy you can waste... Um, the adrenaline rush you get when you score a goal is a, is just incredible. But the amount of energy that you can waste in a celebration, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You've got to be really careful. <laughs> I love it. And it had taken you a while to get there. I mean, there must have been a, a part of you, the, the clubs you were in. and Oh, yeah, uh, I did. Being, I being a yeah, I wouldn't. And was that a... I mean, when, when you got the jump to Coventry, that was... You know that, that that was quite a big deal to go up massive to the, deal for me. Yeah, up to the top division. Well, I'd always, but as a kid, I'd just missed out on England schoolboys and stuff. I was pretty, I was very good in my year, and I played for the town team, played for the county. Went, got called up to Crystal Palace, where most of the English schoolboys were, to be a part of that setup. Uh, it was really hard being a northerner to play for England schoolboys. It was mostly from down south, as you can imagine. You had to be exceptional. Um, so, you know, as a kid, it, it was all going on for me. But then getting released from Crystal Palace by, uh, it was Malcolm Allison, actually, at the time, and Terry Venables, people like that. Um, I was a real tall, skinny kid. I was a bit like, as a kid, I was like, Pete, Peter Crouch never grew out of it, did he? <laughs> <laughs> but I was like that. And, the, and I always remember them getting me in and saying, look, you've, you've, you've got the potential to be a top footballer, but you need, you need to put weight on, you need to strengthen up. Maybe try, they said try drinking Guinness, and I've, I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> Guinness never lets me down. Yeah. But yeah, and it was just a struggle. It was a struggle getting my first break. I got released at Crystal Palace, almost went to Villa. 
and just by accident uh, really went playing quite local for me it was a club called Hartlepool I went I played against them and the manager man, fella called Billy Orn and my hero Billy Orn he played for Middlesbrough he was right back at Middlesbrough um, and they, they literally signed me that week I played against them in a, in a, in a um, FA Youth Cup game for a local Middlesbrough team uh, and the they brought me in, tra- asked me to come in and train, which was mad. You know, I remember going on thinking, oh, just, it, it, it was, I mean, it was the lowest of the low, don't get me wrong. It, it, it was, the ground was ramshackle and falling down. There was no training facilities. The crowds were down to about 1,500, 1,600. The dressing rooms were as big as my table I'm sat at here. I mean, it was just, it, it was so, such a tough place, but a, but a really brilliant place to start, you know. Um, and within a week, they'd sold, or within a couple of weeks, they sold a lad called Malcolm Poskett got sold for about 80000 to Brighton, which was massive money. That, you took, that was like millions in them days. Uh, and they offered, me, they offered me a contract. I remember them getting me in and saying, look, we'll give you £30 a week to be, we'll offer you a professional contract. And I was 17. And uh, I was just walking on earth. I remember thinking, I'm a professional footballer. At last, I'm a professional footballer. And got straight in the team, more or less got straight in the team, scored a couple of goals and then finished top goal scorer for about four years in a row, just bang, bang, bang. But couldn't get any further on, you know, kept nearly getting moves and not quite getting them. And a lot of people were coming and looking at me and then other people were getting the moves and, and that sort of thing. So, um, and a lad, a manager called Ken Knighton, who was manager, Ken Knighton and Frank Clark were managing at Sunderland, tried to take me to Sunderland. Uh, and the chairman decided he wanted to get another young kid in instead. And he was called Ali McCoyst. Do you remember him? <laughs> <laughs> so they signed Ali McCoyst and I stayed at Hartlepool. And then Ken Knight and then Frank Clark got sacked and went down to Leighton Orient. And as soon as they went to Leighton Orient, they took me to Leighton Orient. So that was like the story of my life at the time. <laughs> and Leighton Orient were trying to get into the first division. So they signed... Um, they signed people like David Peach, who just won the FA Cup at Southampton. They had Mervyn Dane, goal from West Ham. Uh, a couple of big centre-halves from West Ham. They had Barry Silkman, who'd come from Man. So they were building to get into the first. So I was thinking, right, this is it. I go there, score a few goals. We're into the first division. My career is off and running. I was 22. And we got relegated the next season. Had to win the last game of the season against Sheffield United not to get relegated back into the old fourth division where I'd come from. And, and it was like, oh, you know, what do you have to do? What can you do? Uh, so my, my career was very like that, Bruce. Yeah, it was like that. And then I got the opportunity to go to York City, which is where I'm not far from now. Uh, and that was like a breath of fresh air for me. It was the first time in my professional career, I think I was, I would have been 20, 23. 23, 24, and they just they didn't lose. You know, just when you get you go into a dressing room and they just don't lose. And they, they, they won the old fourth division by a mile. I think they were, we were the first team to score 100 points. You know, they changed it to three points for a win. And I uh, just absolutely loved it. And it just reinvigorated me that. And then I was like, right, I've got to play higher up. I've got to play higher. I knew I could play higher up. There's lot, there'll be lots of players that tell you that. It's getting the opportunity sometimes, isn't it? Um, and eventually it came uh, with Coventry, went to Coventry and that very first season believe it or not, we won the FA Cup so you know, it was worth waiting for wasn't it? <laughs> how, do you, how, how do you deal with, with those downs mostly ups are probably the easier thing to deal think, with, how, how do you deal with those? I think you've got to be really strong mentally I think, there's, I think that's why lots of players do drift down the leagues and drift out of football and stuff because it can be really cruel and it doesn't give you a lot. And the feeling that professional footballers have when they lose, it's you talk about mental health and everything now, but you can barely speak at home for a week till the next match. I mean, it can get, it can get, the, the highs and lows are so massive. I mean, it was why I walked away eventually at 36. I thought, I can't keep, I can't keep going right up there and right down there. I just want to sit there, you know, for the rest of my life and just swim, swim with the tide a bit. Because, yeah, it is. It, it, it can be like that. And you've got to be really, really mentally strong, I think, and keep going and keep going. And when your breaks come, it's like anything in life, I suppose, isn't it? You, your break comes, you've got to take it. I mean, you've got to stand up and take it. Um, but, no, I mean, it, yeah, there was a lot of dark times. I remember when I left York uh, and went to Scunthorpe, um, 
that was the only time I said to, I came home and said to my wife, Yvonne, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to get where I want to be. So I'm going to I'm going to sign for Scunthorpe. It was a lad called um, Frank Barlow who'd been my coach at Chesterfield when I was a kid. And I, I said, I like Frank. It's a, it's a nice little club. I've just got to face the fact I'm going to be playing in the third and fourth. Everybody wanted me in the third and fourth division. I, there wasn't a club I couldn't have gone to, you know. But the, the bigger clubs, you know where you wanted to be? You know your Wembleys and things? And um, that was the one time where I almost quit on it, where I was like... Uh, and then, lo and behold, literally a month later, I was there a month. And um, I had two, two first division clubs. I had uh, Leicester City and Coventry came in for me both at the same time. So, I mean, that's the strangest thing, isn't it? You, what can I say about that? You give up and then they want you. When I was <laughs> wanting it so bad and I would have done anything, nobody, it, it was like it was like fishing little nibbles and little nibbles and not getting a bite, you know. So, yeah, that was the strangest thing, that. So was there, do you think, with hindsight then, looking back on that period, did you relax and maybe did you approach it differently? Um, no, I was not nothing any different whatsoever. Um, the, I forget his name now. Oh, my my brain. So the, I remember the lad who, who was um, well, it was on the tip of my tongue. Irish lad who was manager at Leicester. He tried to sign me loads of times. He'd been at Tranmere or all these players. You know, like, I was always in demand in the lower leagues, third and fourth division, because everybody knew I, what I could do at that level. I was big centre forward who could play a bit and was scoring goals and could link in and stuff. Um, oh, he's on the tip of my tongue, nearly there. So he 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 knew about me anyway, and I think John and George knew about me. But we, I, I don't know if you know the story. We we finished at Scunthorpe. I played about six games towards the end of the season, and we were all, last game of the season. We've come in, and the manager Frank's gone. Lads, talking about small squads, we've got no players. We've got two reserve games left, and we've got no players left left to play in them. So some of you are going to have to play it. There's, there's one on a Tuesday night, one on a Thursday night. And I was like, oh, Frank, can I play on Tuesday? Because I'm going away on Friday. We used to go, as soon as the season finished, you used to just go bang. Because you, you needed it. You needed to go away and just switch off from it. And they said, all right, then. And it just happened to be uh, Coventry at, at, um, at Scunthorpe, at the old Scunthorpe ground. And I think I, I think I might have scored three. I, it, it was just one of them lovely warm summer evenings, and I, it was my last game. And I fancied it, and I was doing all my little bits and pieces. Um, and then they came straight in and um, and signed me. <laughs> oh, well, I went down. They said, "Can you go down? You can meet uh, if you go to Coventry. You can stay at Coventry for the night, have a chat with them, and then drive over to uh, Leicester. They're right next to each other, and then have a have a little chat there." And you decide. I was like, God, I've got a choice. <laughs> That's a good decision to make. Um, but there was when I went, Coventry was an incredible club, Bruce, by the way, in them days. Everything about it, the ground, I think it was the first all-seater in our country or something, wasn't it? Yeah. They had rest. I mean, I'd been used to going down the, you know, going down the chippy at the end of the road or going to the cafe on the corner and all that sort of thing. They've got like a Michelin restaurant in the in the in the ground above the car park where I'm coming in, and the tip. I mean, if they wanted to be impressing me, they did. That's for sure. <laughs> you know. So and I, and then they put us in a beautiful hotel, and I'm sat there. We had champagne, me and Yvonne, and I said, you know what? I've made my decision. I'm not even going to go over to speak to this. I'm going to stay and give it a go. And uh, and that's what we did. Yeah. And there was some yeah. quality players in that Coventry squad. Oh, yeah, brilliant player. And I knew, the thing was, Bruce, so I knew a lot of them because in the old days, you know, you used to you used to play your way through the divisions to get to the top level. Obviously, there was always big name players who, who always played top level. But I, I knew a lot of them lads. Trevor Peak, who I was sent to half, should have had an England cap. He, I played against him at Lincoln. Uh, Steven Grozovic, our goalkeeper, again, I, I think he did get an England cap, didn't he? But he should have had more. I mean, he was so unlucky. Um I th he, he was at part-time with Chesterfield with me. In fact, I thought he was one of the coaches because he looked like a bloke when we were all... <laughs> and he came and sat next to us talking. And I, was, I was thinking, why is the coach sat with us being one of the lads? And I realised he was just one of us. But I know he barely played at Chesterfield before Liverpool took him and signed him. So, yeah, I knew him. Mickey Jane I'd played against at Peterborough. Uh, Dave Phillips I'd played against at Plymouth. I mean, Dave Bennett. And his brother were both at Cardiff. So I knew, I knew the side. I knew, I knew, you know, there was nothing. It wasn't the type of dressing where you were going to walk into and be ill at ease because they were just, 
lads the same as me, do you know what I mean? And they, they had total respect for me, to be honest, and I, same as I did for them. I think our only like icon, not that he ever behaved like that in any way, was Cyril, really. You walked in and sat down and there's, and there's Cyril, you know, you're getting changed and Cyril's just here. And then you take your gear off. And I, was in, I used to be in pretty good nick. I was a big, strong lad, but Cyril took his top off and he thought, flipping heck, is that what you have to look like to play for England and that? Cyril looked like he just pumped weights for three hours before he came in, just getting up in the morning, you know. So there was only really Cyril who was like, you know, that little bit of glitter dust. And, and, he'd, and he'd had two or three quiet years where things weren't happening for him. So the, the whole season was ju- just built on itself. You know, got, I, think it, I think Cyril ended up getting another England cap that year. So, yeah. Who, who did you look at when you were a kid and model yourself on or think that's, that's what it is to be a professional? Who were your heroes? It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't really any like big centre forwards and that. It was people. I was like, see, how Eddie Gray always took, and he's a gentleman, by the way. I've met Eddie lots of times since he's always at the Leeds matches and things. Uh, I think Eddie Gray was the one that sticks in your mind as much as anything. He was like a maestro. The ball was stuck to his foot, wasn't it? You know. Um, but no, I just I just used to watch them and just think, what a great, what a great thing to do. But you know, to be a footballer, you'd see. I remember I would have been about 10 year old watching the um, 1970 World Cup and we were I mean we had a, we had a better team then when we did when we won it didn't we and you thought oh we're going to cru-. I remember as a 10 year old thing we're going to cruise all the way to the final and win this and be so good and and we were cruising against West Germany I mean I, little did I know that was going to be like a 40 year habit that was going to carry on. <laughs> <laughs> And we just suddenly threw it away. Just and then I, I always remember being heartbroken with that. But think, right? If I ever got to that level, that we we wouldn't throw it away, you know. Just like I just like any kid, really, Bruce. Just like you, I'm no, I'm I'm sure, no doubt. Yeah. And then as you're going through the game, and you know, Hartlepool, Orient, York, Scunthorpe, was yeah. there were there people that were mentors to you? Were there people that? helped you when things were tough or were you coping with most things on your own? I think I tended to cope with most things on my own, which, and I think I developed, a, I think I developed a bit of an attitude really that came out more, came out most by the time I got to Hibernian, <laughs> believe it or not. I just had this mechanism where I wouldn't, I, I didn't like people putting me down or not treating me right or, or, um, I always thought I always felt like I was really honest on the pitch. I was big and strong and hard because I'd made myself that way. I'd worked really hard at it, and I didn't like cheap shots and stuff. You know, I didn't like anything cheap going on. And and, and in the game in the eighties, you, you, you used to get nipped and kicked and stood on. And I and I I used to the older I got and the bigger and stronger I got, I used to start to overreact. But uh, my biggest mentor was Billy Horner because he he gave me my professional contract. Uh, he believed in me, um, and he worked with me. I went back to Hartlepool as the manager. It's funny how life goes in circles. And I had Billy as my right hand man, so, and you know, and he always said to me, he used to sit in the office with me and say, "I knew out of all the people I worked with over the years, you were the one that was going to get there eventually. I just knew it. I just knew it." So there's nothing when somebody talks to you like that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's good to have belief. Now, when you, when you came to yeah. Hibs, you yeah. came and you know that. Do, do you do you think about transfer fees when you're a player? Do you care how much you're worth? Um, no, I think I've been. I think I'd, I'd probably st- I'd probably stayed a year too long at Coventry. I, I always moved clubs, and this was just something that I, that I, that happened to me. I used to start feeling like I needed another challenge after a couple of years. Uh, early on, it was because I wanted to be higher up. But the same feel when I was at Coventry, it, it, it was there again. It was like I need—I I was just that type of person. I think I needed to move and get get that challenge again. Um, and I was like millimeters away from signing for QPR. To be honest, uh, it, it went down and sat with uh, um, was Trevor, not Trevor, Fra- Jerry, Trevor Francis, wasn't it? who was the manager at the time and sat in the office and we worked this I'm incredible talking about money. I mean, nowadays there are hundreds of thousands of pounds a week. Uh, but I, I mean, I was going to be earning about 1200 pounds a week, which was phenomenal. This was 
89. But I didn't want to live in London. I kept thinking, oh, I can't live in London because I'd done it when I was at Leighton Orient. They put me off. I, was, I think I was too young when I went to Leighton Orient. And I don't think I'd talking about mentors and people to be there for. I don't think I had anybody. I was always trying to do everything just myself. And um, so we did in the end. And the chair, he kept getting onto the chairman. And the chairman kept sort of going. They thought it was about money, I think. He was saying, give him another 200. Give him another. And I was thinking, it's not about money, you know. <laughs> and then it was like, um, just buy me a season ticket every year and I'll live where I do. And it's, it's only an hour in and out. I'll come in and out on the train and train, you know, that. and went away, that was all was all fine. And then that fell through in the end. John Sillett got me in and said, oh, <laughs> they've pulled the plug on the deal because they think you're a mercenary, <laughs> is what they said. <laughs> And I was like, it wasn't me that was one more. They kept throwing more money at me. I was just trying to, you know, because it was never about money with me, honestly. Never, never really about money. I just wanted to achieve. So I didn't want to walk away from football when I'd finished and go, well, you didn't do enough or anything like that, you know. So the, the Hibs deal, the, the transfer deadline had finished. It was all over in England. I nearly went to Bradford, who were up and coming again at the time. Uh, that fell through. And it was all over with. And uh, Alex Smith, I was waiting to go out with Dave Phillips. He was waiting to pick me up. We lived in the same village just outside of Leamington Spa. And just as he was, uh, we didn't have mobile phones or anything in them days. You got a, it was all your landlines and that, wasn't it? Everything was landlines. And um, the phone went and it was Alec, it was Alec Miller. But there were real, real Mickey takers, all the, the whole dressing room at Covent. I mean, real Mickey takers. <laughs> And uh, it was this, uh, how, how are you doing? Yeah, right, big man, and all this. And I'm like, I am, I was going, I am fine. Like, uh, would you like to come and play in Scotland? And I was like, oh, I'd love it, you know. And I was just going along with it, honestly. And, said, and, it, and I'd never I'd never heard of Alec Miller. I didn't know Alec Miller was. Um, and I didn't know, I've got to be honest, I didn't really know a lot about Scottish football. I really didn't, except... It was it was starting to become the place to be, wasn't it? If you remember, if you go back, Sky had come in, and a lot of the a lot of the top English lads were going to ranges and places, um, and then so I put the phone down and went out with the, and went out with Dave Phillips and the lads, and he was saying, "Well, that's how some of the lads didn't know." I remember Dave Speedy saying, "Oh, you should go and play in Scotland, Houchy. They'd love you, and you'd love you'd love it, Hibernia." And I was saying, "Honestly, where is it?" They said, "It's in." Uh, Ed- it's in Edinburgh. I mean, I never even knew Edinburgh was such a beautiful city. I, re- I used to go on my holidays as a kid. We used to drive down in an old Bedford van, five of us. We were really poor. It used to take a week to get there. And we'd go up the Highlands and everything, you know, and then come home again. And I just thought that was Scotland. You know, I didn't, I'd never been to like the big cities and things. Um, so, yeah, and that's how, it, that's how it came about, really. Literally. And then I did, he, he actually flew down... Um, he came down and spoke to me at Highfield Road, uh, Alec, and uh, and he put it to, and he did. He sold it. He sold it really well. And I thought, God, what a challenge! I was twenty five, twenty six. It was a perfect time for me, really. I was in perfect, you know, stage in my career to go and deal with it, you know, physically, because it's a tough. As you remember, Bruce, it's a really tough league, isn't it? Um, and I just thought, yeah, why not? It'd be brilliant. Um, that was bit, but I mean, you could never have prepared me for. They flew me down. I think on the Wednesday. I think it was something like the Wednesday. I flew down. The chairman picked me up, and he was driving me around Edinburgh to my hotel. He said, "This is Princess Street," as if I should know where Princess Street. And I was like, and I was looking, thinking, "Well, it's just a road with shops on, you know." Um, all of that. Honestly, I was so naive, and then. Dropped me in my hotel, and then we went up. I remember going up and training at, at, uh, at the ground, and uh, brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant ground. High to, uh, Easter Road. Easter Road, absolutely brilliant. But really, very, I think we're really run down. And um, but I remember being in the middle of it, and you could see all the hills around, couldn't you? You could see all the mountains and the hills, and think, oh, what an absolutely fantastic place to play football. Um, and then they put me back in the hotel then they picked me up and they said we've got a game on Saturday and it's hearts away well I didn't know <laughs> nobody <laughs> and, uh, I'm on the bu- and I always remember like said Joe Tortolano and, and people on the bus saying uh, are you ready for this big man and I was saying well yeah I'm just playing and they were saying no but are you ready for this and I was going why they were saying you're going to fucking find out you know I was like oh right. <laughs> 
And poor God, did I find I needed an iron lung after about 10 minutes. I was like, this can't, I thought, this can't keep up at this pace for night. You cannot play like this. And we'd, we'd actually had one session and one little set piece, what we'd worked on, where um, it got thrown. Uh, Neil Law, the lads left the space, cleared the space for me. Neil Law played it and I come in and we did it in training. And it was like, yeah, that's not bad. Well, it only came off absolutely perfectly, didn't it? He's put it in the perfect spot. I've gone up and attacked it, headed it top corner. And I, as I landed, I was just about to put my arm up and go like that. Well, all I could see was green shirts flying off all over the pitch, like jumping up onto the side of the railings. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. And that, but it dawned on me then. I thought, well, this is this is a bit of a special game. This actually, yeah, what an atmosphere that was that day. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, well, so that was my that... introduction. That was my introduction to Hibs, and I, I remember sitting in the players' bar afterwards. There was two things I remember most. Feeling that knackered, I'd never felt that knackered since we played the cup final. Uh, thinking you might have to just get a little bit fit, you're fit, but you might just have to be a little bit fitter. And you couldn't get a lager in the players, but it was all cups of tea. <laughs> I was like, Well, we can't, can't we have a lager? We used to have it on the bus and everything, there was nothing. It was like, Oh my god, yeah, but it was brilliant, yeah, I loved it. And I and I and I, that day, I remember thinking that day, This is brilliant, yeah, this is going to be really good. So, how, how does Alec Miller? Get hold. Of, does he just look up Keith Houchin in the phone book and, and give you a call? <laughs> I think he negotiated with the club with John Sillett and people first, um, and obviously they'd been trying to get me and looking at me, um, and then there was you know. So when when he said he, he said he sold it to you, how did he yeah. how did he sell Hibs? Did he sell? This is the role that we want for it's you. All, this is where oh, the yeah, club's going. That. Yeah, this is where we go. We're going to. We, we, we're in. They were, just got back into Europe, hadn't they? First time in so many years, and they were in the semi-finals of the Scottish Cup. And I, because, and I, I remember thinking to myself, I bet there's not many people who've got two. I bet there's not many people who's got a Scottish Cup medal. <laughs> I know I'd done it the easy way because I was just. I think they were already in the final with it. Um, and then, but no, I mean, yeah, he went through the players. I mean, Steve Archibald was a draw for me, believe it or not. Stevie Archibald, you know, he was a great lad, Stevie. I know, I think a bit misunderstood, great, really funny lad, good lad. Um, but then he went through the players and, he, you know, he had just signed Andy Gorham, who I knew was a top goalkeeper. Um, Johnny Collins was in there. Gareth Evans had, was, was doing really well, who'd, who'd been released. I, I knew him a tiny bit because he got released at Coventry just as I was signing at, at Coventry. Um, and yeah, no, it wasn't difficult to sell it to me because I, I was ready for a new challenge. And I think it was good, it was good that the others fell through because I think it was the best thing. Looking back at my career, I think it was brilliant that I went and had a couple of years up at uh, up at Hibs. I think it was fantastic. I wouldn't I wouldn't change any of it for the world. No, there's a lot of the boys I've spoken to talk about the changing room at, at Easter Road, and it seemed yeah. to be quite a happy place. But you it were, was. You, I mean, you were an incomer. Uh, there was a whole yeah. load of them will have watched you score that goal in the cup final, so they've already yeah. got an impression of who Keith Houchin is. Yeah, what was it Possibly. like going in there? I didn't have a problem, honestly. I never had a problem whatsoever from the first day. Um, I remember sitting there and Gareth Gareth had developed a Scottish accent straight away. So I thought, right, I'm going to have to work on that because I used to be able to do a brilliant Scottish accent by the time I left. But I used to deliberately come in on a morning, you know, and say hello in a really nice posh English voice to them all just to get the, just to get the dressing going. <laughs> But no, you're dead right. They were just all great lads, really, really funny lads. If it's a funny dress room and there's banter flying round, and you've got to be able to take it, and obviously they were giving me a few bits and pieces, and I like all that. I loved all that. I just thought they were all really good lads. Um, but like I say, I just I found Alec very, very doer. The dress room itself was brilliant, but he just started, it was just his manner. He was such a serious coach. You know what I mean? Even even the sessions he did were so were so serious. I remember having stand up barnies with him where I'd stand in the middle and say, "Look, I'm a footballer. I haven't got any air levels. I don't know what you're talking about." And I was only doing I was only doing it to be a twat, you know. But 
he, he, could, he could kill it. The lads from that era will probably tell you that. If he'd have just let himself go a bit, that could have been a really good team. They could have really got on and done stuff. But it, it, it was always back to the drawing board, back to the drawing board. I remember trying to hide the flipping thing once. He used to have it up here and we'd all be in there. And, uh, and I used to, and I, I also had a habit of putting um, Russ Abbott. We, we'd all... We all went to watch Russ Abbott at the Playhouse in Edinburgh. The lads all went to watch Russ Abbott in the Playhouse in Edinburgh. We all went one night with the, with the wives and that. And uh, afterwards, they all said, how gee, you're a ringer for Russ Abbott. So I started, if Alec Miller or any, I did it all my clubs afterwards, actually got me in a lot of trouble. But they used to put, you know, put the lineup on the whiteboard in the dressing room. And I used to always scribble my name out and put Russ Abbott, you know. But anyway, one day I'd picked, I'd picked the whole, I'd, I'd gone to the lads, I'm fucking sick of this. And I picked the whole board up and I went and hid it in the, in the shower. But just as I, I carried it in the shower and put it down, and turned, the room went really quiet behind me and Alec had walked in. But, you know, he never even cracked a smile. He never cracked a smile. He just walked past me, picked his board up and put it back. And like, just carried on sitting on the mountain. Yeah. But I'll have to tell you, can I just tell you this funny story before I... Forget it, because it's just cool. Back to me. We were funny. Another funny lad, right? We used to get all these. Used to get all these daft little things mixed up. He'd say like, uh, "Flat as a dodo, uh, and, uh, dead as a sheet." You know, instead of "flat as a sheet, dead as a dodo." He, he used to do. He used to get all these things wrong. And he had a big board as well. And I used to always scribble. Who, one who and is this? Keith, sorry, this Keith. Was, who, who is this? Who, who is this? Because we lost you there. Who, who are you talking oh, did about? You? This is a lad called John Rudge at Port Vale, oh. manager. And uh, I used to sign Russ Abbott on everything. If there was balls came in the dressing room, I'd sign my name, obviously, but I always put Russ Abbott on. And uh, and one and he, and he had a big whiteboard, same as Alec Miller. And I'd and I'd rub the right. And they used to go through. He used to go through each player, which professional footballers find it so boring because you know the players. You've done the work. You don't need them to go. And anyway, I rubbed the right back out and put Russ Abbott. And then he came in and uh, he got everybody sat down and he launched off onto this massive rant about somebody showing disrespect to the supporters, the right Russ Abbott on balls and programmes. And, <laughs> and I got, and then I got really annoyed and stood up and said, oh, don't be so stupid. This, the people have a sense of humour, you know. If they see Russ Abbott, they know one of the players has wrote it, as long as they're getting all the order. And it went on and this thing escalated and escalated. And, I, and people with Big Peter Swan, who was my mate, came in on my side and he was bigger than me, Swanny, and we were living out. And that was a good dressing room, don't get me wrong. And then it all settled down. And he went, right, let's get on with the game. And he turned around and he went, right back, Russ Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole dressing room just fell on the floor. One of, one of the funniest times ever, that one, yeah. Yeah, I'll, uh, Ross Abbott. There'll not be many. Well, no, I no, no, yeah. Could yeah. 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 you sing like Ross Abbott? No, <laughs> no. I got Pete Cormack with it once. We were travelling in Germany, and we were at uh, the, the place where where um, he got the children. What was he called? Uh, the Pied Piper of Hamlin, wasn't it? We were playing in Hamlin, and that and we had a ball getting. We had a big dinner. We were all sat there, and our tuxedos were having. And as the ball came to me, I signed it, Russ Abbott, and passed it on. So Pete Cormack was next to me. And he and he, he's, he's doing that to find a space to sign it. And he's gone to me, ouchie, ouchie, Russ Abbott signed that. <laughs> he thought he was there. He said, it was me, Peter. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So the, the bit... I, I can remember sitting in the, the enclosure at Easter Road and yeah. it was it was one of the European games. And I remember, oh, I remember saying to my, my, my big brother Stuart, why is why is Keith Houchin in our box? And it was a uh, I think it was a Videoton corner. And I was saying, yeah. Why is why is Keith Houchin in our box? He's a striker. And my big brother went, because he's fucking massive. <laughs> I was I used to win as many defensive headers as I did. That was my job. I'd come back and head it out. And then if it was up the other end, yeah. Was that the Videoton game then? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, what was that like? Because looking back, right, the reason I'm speaking to someone like you is this romantic idea I've got of when I used to go to Easter Road. But those, yeah. I'd, I'd heard my dad tell stories of, Easter Road on a European night. And I can yeah. remember going to midweek games 
and it just felt special because when I was a kid, a bit like you, football happened at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. There was no Friday night, Sunday lunchtime, Sunday no, night wasn't. It was three o'clock on a Saturday. So to then go to Easter Road where it's dark, you can see the floodlights as you're walking yes. towards the ground. There's a there's a different buzz about it. It's, yeah. it's always, I mean, let's face it, it's Edinburgh. It's always cold anyway, but it's yeah. cold. And there's just a different feeling. But to go and watch two teams that, I'm never going to get to see again Videoton and Liège. Like, yeah. That was that was properly special for me. What was it so, like for you as a player? I think night matches simple, but I I I preferred night matches to Saturday afternoons. I I found it much easier to get up for a night match just like you were saying than Saturday afternoon sometimes you were slapping yourself and getting cold water, trying to get yourself going a little bit. Um, I was just telling somebody about that the other week when I was playing golf, an old mate of mine, Kev Smith. Um, I said, I'll never forget it because they, they were on about, they were actually talking about um, the Queen's funeral and the Pipers and things. Uh, one of my mates had said the Piper when he played and then he, he went out and walked away and he just heard the pipes disappear. It was haunting, wasn't it? I don't know if you remember that from the Queen's funeral. Yeah. I said, well, I'll tell you something about the pipes. I said, we were playing in Europe and that, and it was like the buzz around Easter Road and that, that on, on these European nights. I couldn't even begin to describe to you. But I said, so we're in there, and, I, and we're, we're like hyped and ready to go, really ready to go at home at Easter Road. And then we've gone out into the, into the corridor, and there was a, I, I can't remember how many pipers there was, but there was these pipers in front of us, and they started... And then... They walked out onto the pitch at Easter Road. I said, honestly, God, the, the hairs on the back of your neck were like up here. They were playing the pipes and we were walking behind them. And I mean, that must have been so intimidating for Videoton and the Asian people. Dear me. Unbelievable. Uh, it just yeah, every, everything about everything about those games was, was oh. exciting because it, it oh. hadn't happened for so long and we were oh, sick. No, of, was... We were sick of hearing of the glory days. We wanted them for ourselves. I know, and I heard all about the Hibs glory days. Yeah, the famous five and stuff. I'd heard, yeah. So to be to be part of that, did did you like a bit like the oh, FA Cup it. final? Did you feel proud to be there at that yes, moment? I, I think it was the one part, one of the highlights of my career. That's what I said that to be able to do that because don't forget they weren't playing in Europe in England anyway. We'd been English clubs had been banned from from Europe five years or something by that time, and we, we we didn't get to play in Europe when we won the FA Cup. There was no such thing, so it was new to me. Uh, but it was just the atmosphere. It was just the incredible atmosphere, home and away, both games. Because we used to they used to put the um, the the two what's the two lads? Not the Proclaimers. Was the Proclaimers? Wasn't it? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy we used to have a, yeah, we had because they were hybies, weren't they? We were always yeah, around yeah. the club, and we. We put it on, and I remember pulling into the car park at um, Videoton. And as we pulled it, it was playing that loud. Five hundred miles. The bus, the wind, the bus windows were going like this. And I remember the the crowds having to part and looking up, thinking, "My God!" Look, and looking at all of us out the window, going like, "They must have thought, my God, they're mad. They're we're never going to beat these." But I, I always, I always said though, I always say, and I've said it in a. Somebody did my, I've never done my, but I, somebody wrote a book about me, I'd call Jonathan Strange, wrote about my career, which I can't, which I found fascinating actually reading about itself. It's nice. <laughs> um, but I, I did actually say, the greatest game I ever played wasn't the cup final, it was the video ton away, where everything, everything that I'd ever learned from like 13 year old at Crystal Palace to Hartlepool to right the way through. I think just came together on that night and just everything that I wanted to do, you know, and just everything comes off for you, everything. Um, and it was just a great, great night that. And I always remember the Hybe supporters wouldn't go. They were stuck by the tunnel. <laughs> they wouldn't go home. They weren't leaving. They wanted to just stay there, you know. And it was like we were in the shower and out and Alec Miller was saying, go back out and see them again. Go back out. They're not going anywhere. Go back out and see them again. And it was just a really, really special night that, yeah. But that, I mean, that was that was a big deal to go to play an away fixture. Yeah. So though, I mean, yeah. the, the the fans Huge. that got there, that was a that was a massive deal. What was it like? Yeah. Who did you? It think? was. It who, was who, for us. 
who are the players did you have to look after? There's some of those boys I would worry about being on holiday, never mind going to play the <laughs> <in> kind <a> way. <laughs> to be honest, I think once I had a drink, I was one of the ones that needed looking after. <laughs> I always remember wandering about um, with uh, me and Stevie Archibald um, with an empty bottle of champagne. We'd, uh, and we were just walking through these empty, empty streets uh, really early in the morning just reflecting back on it because it was a big night for even Stevie Archibald it was just a big you know it was a big thing for all of us all of that that cup run it was amazing times and who when you're when you're coming home from that there must have been a big down you know from that massive high what, what was back it to like? league matches and that you mean yeah yeah well sometimes you'd get I found that as a player that sometimes league matches you you you, you, you you wouldn't be blasé, but you'd find it difficult to get yourself up for them, you know, on a Saturday afternoon. Strange as it might sound, because it is just, it's what you do day in, day out. And I, I used to find sometimes on Saturday, not just the Hibs, but all the clubs I was at, Saturdays, I'd struggle to get myself that buzz, you know, to, to go. But then European nights and big, obviously you have your big nights, don't you, semi-finals and finals and things where it just happens automatically. But you just, you, your bread and butter games, you know, when you... You're going away to St Mirren or somewhere, and it's cold, cold afternoon, and it's not a big crowd, and there's not much of a buzz around. It's yeah, that's why football can be quite flat to watch sometimes, can't it? Football isn't always brilliant, is it? Sometimes it, you, you you sit and look at it and think, oh, this is quite boring. So you, you know, you always get you get, and you know that as a player when you're playing in them. Sometimes it's just like eking something out of it, isn't it? Getting something out of the game, which is where probably why it's so hard to be a manager and a coach because. You, you can't do anything. It's the players. When you're when you're sort of reflecting back, communication then was was different. We weren't on internet and mobile phones. No, we didn't have were, all that. No. Were were some of the guys that you played with down south? Were they curious about what was going on in Scotland? What the standard was like? What the opportunities were like? Yeah, uh, especially early on uh, when I first uh, when I first signed. Um, used to go on the first night I went out, I went down to the to the Rutland at the end of Princess Street. It was the wrong end of town, apparently. Nobody told me. <laughs> and uh, a couple of the lads had come up. Dave Phillips, I remember in particular, was one of them. Uh, Nick Pickering, maybe it was two or three of the lads had come to stay. And we'd had a night out. And we, I, I remember going in the dressing room next day and said, Bible, people were, were uh, quite aggressive for those last night, just staring and stuff. It says, well, where did you go? I said, down the other end, down Rutland. Where, I don't think that pub's there now, is it? It's called the Rutland, wasn't it? Uh, right it's, it it's, yeah. now, uh, it's now it's Kyle. So I was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, was, I come, you know, I come to Edinburgh regular. I come up, we, we, have a, we always have a weekend, at least once a year. Because I've discovered Edinburgh since I stopped playing. <laughs> I couldn't go out, could I? I couldn't go out in Edinburgh in them days. Boom, and then. So, yeah, but there were, yeah, of course there were. And um, and it was the place to play, really. I mean, like you see, half the, half, half the Rangers team was, was the England team, wasn't it? I think you had, you had Trevor and Gary Stevens playing. You had, you had Butcher. Gary Butcher, yeah. Mark Walters, Chris Mark Walters, I mean, yeah, I mean, blooming heck. And we used to beat them regular, by the way, Hus High Bees, didn't we, in them days? Yeah, you, you enjoyed that against Rangers, didn't you? Oh, I loved it, yeah. One of the things I found hardest, I think, in Scotland, and I think the other lads did as well, because the league was was such a small league, I think it was only nine or ten of us in them days, you played each other four times, twice at home and twice away, and that made it a little bit more difficult, you know, if you're playing against somebody that regular, a little bit, I, I found sometimes that could be a little bit more difficult. But we always did well against Rangers. Always used to be well. I remember beating them home and away one season, didn't yeah. we? Am I right? No, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, we did, did, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Glory, glory days, those Keith. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, I go to Edinburgh now, though, Bruce. And we, uh, last time I was there was last November. We were up, and we always, I always go up on the top and just have a look across the city and stuff. Uh, Carlton Hill, Carlton Hill, and the ground looks amazing. I've never actually gone down and gone in, but the ground looks. You know, it was very dilapidated when out. It was a great stadium to play in. The atmosphere was incredible. There's no um, slope now. Well, God, you know that bloody slope. I used to always say before a game, I used to always say, if you win that flipping toss, make sure we're running downhill in the second half because I can't get up that 20 minutes to go. 
day. And I, I was one of them players that would always chase in the corners and stuff. I didn't mind doing the work. So if it's right back at it, I'd say, put it in the corner and I'll chase it down. And I used to be 10 minutes ago, I used to be looking in the right back and going, Snoddy, Snoddy. <laughs> and then if you didn't go, imagine the Easter Road crowd. If it looked like you weren't trying to get after a ball, they would be like trying to tear your throat out. Ah, you big lazy. You couldn't. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I, I tell my, you know, I even tell my grandkids about the slope at Easter Road. So when granddad was really young and fit, he had this hill to run up. And all the supporters fell out with him because he couldn't run up the hill. <laughs> I love yeah. it. You're, you're yeah. still so highly thought of up here, Keith. When you're on a Saturday afternoon, when you're flicking through the results, is Hibs still... Always, yeah, yeah, all my clubs, yeah. I look at Hartlepool, I look at Hibs and Cough, then I always call them my two big clubs. I look at Hibs and Cough, and then I look, see how Hartlepool's got on, York City's got on. Scunthorpe, Leighton Orient are doing okay this year. If you look, they're not doing bad. I think they're top of the league. Um, who else have I missed out? Port Vale. I mean, they're an up and down. I mean, that was a, a really good club. Could have been so much, could be so much bigger, but they've got Stoke right next to them and it kind of takes it away a bit, you know. But yeah, no, like, like I said, Bruce, I, I wouldn't change anything. If, you just, if, I, if I was David Beckham, I don't think any of it would have been the same. I think I had to see all them lows and all that the hardship of the lower leagues and stuff to appreciate my time at Hibs and my time at Coventry and my, my time at Portville to a certain extent because they were shot money at it as well. And I, But I think I earned the right. I think my eight years of playing at that really good level, I'd earned the right to do it. Um, and like I say, I think, I think I'd played for nearly 20 years, 19 years, um, and I played in the best time. I say I was really lucky to play in the 80s because it was proper football. Men were men. You know, you, you, you didn't. You, you, I, I took it as a personal affront if somebody could push me over. You had to be stronger than the next man. Now they go down like, you know, lightweights now, don't they? They fall over at contact. It was the other way around. But also, we were playing a bit as well. T coaches were, you know, you, coaches like Alec Miller were getting people to play the ball, pass the ball, not just hit long, long stuff into corners and things. And I think, I just think it was the best time to play. I think it was a great time. I think it, the crowds were brilliant. The grounds were brilliant. I used to, I used to be able to recognise every ground just by looking at a, a photograph of the pylons and that, you know, when I first retired, because I'd played almost everywhere, especially going up to Scotland as well. Uh, I'd played on almost every ground, you know. Yeah, you might, yeah somebody, somebody's got the time to study that one about no, all, <laughs> exactly. all, all the pitches you've played on. You've, you've covered most of Scotland and England. It's yeah. brilliant. Are you a good spectator? Do you like watching the game now? No, I don't. I don't. I, I, I did. A lot. I worked for years, 15, 18 years, doing the stats, same as uh, same as Joe's doing. It was opt. It was um. It was the press association to start with, and then it was Opta. And I would I would go to Bradford and Leeds and Middlesbrough, Newcastle, York, Scunthorpe, and, and I just so I'd so I'd see the fourth division and the top top level, and you could see that the the the, the they were all trying to play whatever level you were watching at. They were all changing. Um, but I think football's at itself. I've got to be honest. I think in this country, football's just eating it. It was starting to eat itself before I retired. And I just think they've turned it into something that I don't like. I, 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 when I do sit down and try and watch it, and it's just completely overworked with VAR and split-level decisions. And, you know, when you... It was all about getting away with stuff, wasn't it? And having a chat in the pub after. It was all about me knowing I was slightly offside, but the lineman just didn't quite see me. So I've scored. It's a goal, isn't it? In my mind, that's a goal because I'm clever enough to get in and score. It's not meant to have lines and pictures and millimetres and fingernails. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it's meant to be like that football. They've turned into like a scientific project, haven't they? Yeah, well, that's... Getting back to my thing about it being a game of instinct and... and, and joy and fun really it should be shouldn't it well that's that's why i'm i'm doing this because my my romance for that period of time is is still there still strong i, I just yeah. i love it and I, I think back to you know i, I still can't believe that keith Houchin, the guy that scored that goal yeah. came, to play, came to play for my club and, and it was it was brilliant and i didn't i didn't really have awareness of what was going on off the field or the ins and the outs of things i've, I've learned all that looking back and reading things yeah. like this but 
uh, getting, course, to speak, yeah. getting to speak to you guys has been a huge treat for me. Oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased, yeah. But great, happy times. My wife says it was the best place we ever lived and we should never have left. <laughs> I said, well, I said, the trouble was, darling, they rode me out of town facing backwards on a horse when it all... <laughs> yeah, but well, we lived it. But we lived at North Berwick, Bruce, and that my kids were tiny. Were really tiny, and we'd we'd go to Galen and Yellow Craig and all along that way, you know. And it was just an just amazing place. And then we jump. We were we lived next to the station at North Berwick, and you'd go twenty minutes into Edinburgh. It was yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, amazing yeah. times. Yeah. Happy days. You Keith don't realise, do you, till years oh. later? Ah, uh, but now you have and you appreciate yeah. it all the time. <laughs> of course, I do. Yeah, I do. Keith, thank you so much. It's been an absolute honour to speak to you. You've given me a all heap right. of your time and, and I've loved it. Thank you I so do. much. And, and hopefully when you're in Edinburgh, I might uh, I might catch you one of your next visits. I'll keep your number in my phone. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Keith. Thank you. All right. Cheers, Ed. How good was that? And it all came from this beastie, bestie to beastie to Belgium. Great book. Absolutely loved it by the great man, Colin Leslie. You can get it in all sorts of bookshops. You can get it in the Hibs store and also at bigcartel.com. If you've enjoyed the pod, you can get on Apple, Acast and Spotify. You can watch on Facebook and YouTube. I hope you've enjoyed it. There's more to come. If you did, leave us a review and tell your friends. And if you've got no ideas for that hippie for Christmas, then this is the book for them. My name is Bruce Aitchison from the Goals and Glory podcast. I've absolutely loved it and I can't wait till the next one. I'll see you all again very, very soon.